this out. Welcome to the Foundations Podcast today. Pastor Paul is here with me. I'm Steve Madden, and we are uh, doing the, um, uh, well, we've been talking about the fivefold ministry, and uh, as in our, our, our verse in Ephesians 4, 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, um, of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a, or to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And um, so we've, over the last few weeks, we've been going over all the different offices. And one of the things today is, I believe we're going to, we're good. There's going to be some distinction between office and ministry and giftings of these uh, particular gifts and uh, offices that we're talking about. We've dealt with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, uh, uh, and now today we're going to talk about teachers. And this, Pastor Paul, this can be a real kind of a, I don't know, a difficult one, because when you look at today, I can't go out and put, can you point your finger at somebody who is in, in the office of a teacher? Well, I mean, you know, once again, uh, you know, the biblical concept is the, the you know, God gave uh, this fivefold ministry there in Ephesians 4, but we just don't have a lot of illustration biblically of teachers. Mm-hmm. It, it, certainly, um, I mean, Acts 13 is, we, we, you know, that's the, the only one we can think of, that in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Yes. And he lists them from Barnabas to Saul. And, uh, you know, so the logical question there is, well, are they all prophets and teachers? Or are some prophets and some teach? We don't know because yeah. it, it doesn't give us, you know, any more. And then once you get past that, then... Really, all you have is the, the letters that Paul wrote, whether the Timothy or Titus, where the, um, the issues never are of a teacher standalone, mm-hmm. but, uh, but they, whether it's an elder, an overseer, uh, they should be able to teach or they should be able to exhort and refute people that are contradicting the gospel, which is implied you have to teach somebody to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's, it, this is one of those situations that the only thing that we can see is uh, the the only other incident that I'm aware of where a teacher is mentioned is in a very negative connotation yeah. in 2 Timothy 4, where he talks about they'll heap for themselves teachers having, uh, you know, itching ears or they want their ears tickled. Yeah. And, uh, and apparently these teachers will give it to them. Yeah. And, uh, so. and uh, yeah, we, we, and I think today we have a lot of problem with that as well. Um, so we we were talking earlier, you and I, uh, when we weren't recording, uh, about the different, uh, the, what the Greek and all that is behind this particular verse. And we see that pastors and teachers are joined together for somehow. And can you kind of relay that? Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't want to ever be, you know, too too technical with any of these things. But, I mean, basically, we get a we could illustrate this with the English language anyway, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but in Ephesians four, uh, where, you know, he says there in verse 11 and he gave some as apostles. This is, I'm reading this out of the new American standard. Okay. The word and there is Kea. And, uh, and that's going to play a part here in a second because Paul's not going to use that word again until he gets to pastors, Kea teachers. Okay. And the reason why I think that's important Number one, we believe in a verbal plenary interpretation. Yep. 
we believe that every word is where it should be in the Greek or Hebrew, and uh, and that it is uh, God breathed scripture. Yes. So I believe everything's here for a reason, um, and, and so right here. So we let's just read it as if it were in the Greek. Kea he gave some as apostles, d some as prophets. Yeah. Different Greek word there. D is just a. We're moving to the different topic. Yes. Kea mm -hmm. is there's a connectivity there. Yes, and there's right. a connection. Yeah. So in other words, so dia some as prophets, dia some as evangelists, the as some as pastors, kea teachers. So you know, just on a simple way to look at it, that when he uses the word kea, he's talking about this is connected. So those are joining. Yes, just like he being Jesus, you know, Kea, he gave some. In other words, he and uh, and what he gave is all connected by that word Kea. Mm -hmm. And the same concept is this pastor, Kea teacher, they're connected. I okay. mean, you can, and, and, and also that, Paul, well, let's just use the English because it'll be easier. Notice he says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, but then he changes. Yeah. He they, doesn't say, and some as teachers. Yeah, I know. And, and he teachers. just says pastors, teachers. I, I think it's pretty clear that while I do believe the word teachers is part of the fivefold ministry, mm -hmm. it, they're it, joined. it they're joined to the, to to the, the pastor. Past, the pastor. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, by the way, we could say the same thing in, in Acts 13. Mm -hmm. There were certain prophets, Kea, teachers. And teachers. And those are connected because they're connected because of all the different names from Barnabas to Saul. Here, now let, let me throw this out. Could it be that it is so important when these offices, you have a prophet here, you have a pastor here, but they're both joined to a teacher that they always have a teacher along with them. Yes. Because teaching, uh, in my estimation, is probably one of the most important things when it comes to um, a Christian learning, discipleship, whatever you want to call it, doctrine, sound doctrine. Well, you, you well, the Great Commission, you know, I, I was going to turn to it, but it's familiar with everyone. Yeah. Matthew 28. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he starts out, I forget the verse number, but he starts out, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Yes. And then it is go in that authority yeah. and make disciples of all nations. He talks about baptizing them. Notice the Trinitarian formula mm -hmm. yeah. in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says something very interesting, and teaching them and teaching to them observe to all things that I've commanded you. So even in the Great Commission, Teaching is invaluable. I yes. mean, that's the only way to make a disciple. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Now, teaching is the only way how to, and then we're talking about discipleship, sound doctrine. So uh, let's just take pastors, pastors and teachers. You're a pastor in a church, and you are, and you, you not only are you bringing messages and that type of thing uh, within the church, but a lot of the responsibility of the church is to disciple and to teach yes. people about Jesus and sound doctrine so that they're on the right path, right? Right. Well, yeah, I think it's a primary role uh, as far as church. I mean, you think about what church is. I mean, can church be evangelistic? Well, of course it can. People can be saved. They can come to a saving knowledge oh, absolutely. of Christ in church. And that should be happening. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't just be happening in the main service. It should be happening in the Sunday school programs or some of the auxiliary programs where people are invited. They hear the gospel. The Spirit draws them and they receive Christ. I mean, that, and by the way, we do have formulas for that. Yeah. As I was talking to you about our Easter services coming up, yeah. I'm really seriously thinking about doing that uh, message out of, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 10, when Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. Mm -hmm. And before the Holy Spirit falls on all those who hear, uh, he presents a, 
it's just really an interesting gospel message. Jesus died. Mm-hmm. He was raised from the dead. Yeah. All those things and repentance is brought in. He never even gives an altar call. The spirit of God falls on them. And, uh, and they're all, you know, not only filled with the Holy Spirit, but I believe there they also, I think they prophesied. I can't remember exactly yeah. uh, on that one. But, but the point, that's not the point. The point is, is that the gospel was presented in a very simplistic manner mm-hmm. and the Spirit of God fell on them. And I think that should be happening in, in Sunday school. I think that should be happening in the services. I think that should be happening in our auxiliary ministry. We have people who've never heard the gospel and when it is explained, and I and I want to make that point clear, not just this is the way it is. When it is explained yes. from Scripture, the Holy Spirit draws people to Himself, and people are saved. Yes, I believe that should be happening in every. You see, I, I I'm 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 convinced. And I've seen it many many occasions that. When there is proper explanation and teaching and the people grab a hold of it, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach us. Yes. He's a teacher. Yes. Yeah, that's that's really a part of his um, ministry to the believer in, mm-hmm. that, in that sense. You know, the Spirit of God, he will teach you all things. Yes. Notice it didn't say he'll preach to you all things. He no. said he will teach he will you, teach. Yeah. And so when the Holy Spirit is there, you see, and I'm, I'm drawing the correlation here. The, the thing is, is that the Bible says that no man can be drawn to Christ except for what? The Spirit yes. draws him. Yeah, 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 there. I mean, you, you can't, well, this gets into, uh, that, that, that brings up a big thing. Uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I've heard people say this, well, I'm going to get right later. Really? Uh, you're, so you're going to tell God <laughs> when he's going to draw you? Yeah. That's not the way that works. No, it isn't. But you see, the, the thing is there is that when if the Holy Spirit's there, he's drawing people, he is literally giving them revelation of what they need to do. Right. Well, you know, and this is another one. Uh, people talk about signs and wonders, and you know, we're a church that believes in signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, but when we say, talk, well, they were talking about signs and wonders or this ideal in Hebrews 2 that he confirms his word. Yes. And that's in reference to signs and wonders. Uh-huh. What kind of word are we talking about? I mean, are we talking about just somebody that's got some kind of hyper message that are out there screaming and spitting on everybody? No. Is that what we're talking <laughs> about? Or are we talking about he's going to confirm his word, that is the word of God, mm-hmm that we are giving people. Is he going to confirm our word or his? Yeah. And I believe when we're true to the scripture and, uh, and that gets into that hermeneutics, you know, exegesis. I mean, we're applying proper methodology. And sure. Looking at scripture. Yes. You know, that's what the spirit of God confirms. Mm-hmm. He's not here to, 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 to make me famous. No. Or anyone else. He's here to confirm his word. Yeah. And, uh, but, but like I said, that's, uh, but that's, uh, that, you know, the role of the church is to make disciples. And, yes. uh, and, and so that's what, whatever church, I don't care what church you're in, that should be the role of the church. We're here to, yeah, we want to win people for Christ. Yes. But once we've done that, we need to make disciples out of people. Okay. Okay. That's good. You know, uh, it just took a little bit of different sway, but that's okay. The, do you feel that the teacher should be seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit when he's teaching, he or she, of course, is teaching what they're teaching, whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be in a church service, whether it be wherever. Well, I mean, you know, once again, we talked about this earlier. How are we going to put this? I have, I stand in the office of a pastor. And teacher, that that's you know there, and uh, so you know, you know when I when I study and I do what I do, mm-hmm. and and of course this is an assembly of God church. Yes, and uh, and so you know I mean we're not going to be preaching anything that's going to you know disagree with our sixteen fundamentals of faith. Of course, all right, but 
yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek the Lord as to where where we're going. Now, does that apply to Sunday school teachers? And that that's a good question. Yes. And uh, because I believe every Sunday school teacher operates under the pastoral authority that God has given me. Yes. That doesn't make me better than. No, that's no, what no, I'm no. Saying that's that. good... And that's true of any pastor. This yeah. is not just me. This is any pastor. And so the question is, what should we do with Sunday school teachers? What should we do auxiliary? In other words, your women's ministry, your men's ministry, your um, youth ministry, your children's ministry. Yes. All right. So the question is, what should they be teaching, I guess? And, and I can say here at River of Life that most, uh, well, a good p portion of these people use a curriculum mm -hmm. that we have already agreed to and said is good. Yes. And since we get that from the gospel publishing house yeah. with the assemblies of God, we're, we're good with that. Yeah. But uh, the only thing I don't like is they use the NIV and that's neither here nor there. But, uh. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, we'll get past that. Um, so, you know, but, but anyone else that wants to use something different, I have to pre-approve it. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's how we run it here. Yeah, so it, it, it's good when, you know, that's, we ask the question is that pastors, and I'm just going to speak out here to the people that are listening. If you're a pastor listening to this, do you know what your Sunday school teachers and all the heads of your different organizations or, or divisions or whatever in your church are preach or are teaching the people? Because, okay, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I guarantee you that there are people that say, well, I need somebody here, I need somebody there. And let me ask you something, Pastor. How much background checking and, and kind of checking up on somebody who's going to be in either a position or a Sunday school teacher should the church leadership do prior to allowing them or putting them in that position? Uh, well, they need to do their due diligence. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, the way we do it, well, first of all, um, anyone that wants to work in, with children, well, anyone that wants to work any place in the church, it doesn't matter where it is, we do what's called a background check. Mm -hmm. And that is that we want to make sure that you don't have any felonies, you don't have any pedophile things on your, yeah. I mean, we, we do yeah. that for everyone's protection. Yes. Uh, by the way, I get checked myself. Yes, <laughs> we, we all do. Yeah. I mean, everybody, and we do this periodically. We'll come back and renew them all. Yes, you know, so that's a protection, especially as it relates to anyone. We don't want anyone leadership that has a questionable background. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, because there's legalities there. Now, if we're going to talk about background, and it'll say you know, because most people's background is good. Yeah, all right. That doesn't mean you're theologically right. Yes. And uh, so, you know, how we do that is that we sit down and talk with people and, uh, and we, uh, you know, ask questions. Uh, everyone that's ever done anything in our church here, they're either pretty much have an Assembly of God background. Mm -hmm. I mean, Steve, you, uh, you graduated from Assembly of God College. Yes. I mean, it's, it, you know, so we're, we're pretty comfortable with all that. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, we always check that out. I mean, we don't want anybody with a oneness theology. No. We don't want anyone that comes in here with some flaky ideals. Uh, we don't want anybody preaching or teaching some kind of hyper-grace message, mm -hmm. prosperity gospel, woke gospel. We certainly don't want that, mm. considering that we speak out against it and explain why from Colossians. Yes. Um, we don't want people affirming same-sex marriage in our Sunday school class Absolutely. and confusing everyone. Yes. That would be a tragedy. So, yeah, we have to do our due diligence. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that when someone new comes in the church and we don't know anything about them, well, we need to find out, especially if they say what they would like to teach mm -hmm. or they would like to. Well, that's good. Praise God. We need teachers. We need people that, that have that ability. But I'm going to sit down with them and talk to them. Okay. And I'm going to ask some specific questions on where they stand. I want to make sure they're fundamentals. I mean, we all may have our little differences. We're not worried about that. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to look at the fundamentals. I mean, do you believe that salvation is through what Jesus did on the cross? Mm. That is primary. Uh, we, can't, we can't even have fellowship outside that. 
And uh, the second one is, are we Trinitarian in our belief structure? I believe that is very, very important. Yes. Um, well, we won't get into that. But I mean, we'll look at some basic concepts. I don't want people with sensationist views. Mm-hmm. In other words, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, and the work of the Spirit as far as and in, in, in tongues and things like that. You know that that's all ceased, and and, and we're not going to have people like that teaching our in no. any 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 kind of asset in our church. Yeah, so it does not. You know, and with that particular thing about tongues have ceased, you're talking about uh, we talk about the fundamentals of the assemblies of God, in that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yes. the speaking of tongues, and uh, as the Lord gives the utterance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they need to to know that. You know. How important do you feel it is for a Sunday school teacher or anybody's teaching to really understand your statement of faith? Now, this is one of the, uh, let me kind of preface that with, I mean, if I go to a church today on the internet, I just look them up. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to look. And most of them have a statement of faith or statement of belief or whatever you want to call it on their website. And you got to go down all there, you know, we believe that the word of God, the Bible is the word of God, yada, yada, yada. And it goes down and all that type of thing. Now, how important is it for one of your teachers, head department heads, whatever, to understand the, that statement of faith? I think, I think it's very important. In fact, in our membership, uh, what we do is we give people our 16 fundamentals of faith that we mm-hmm. believe we encourage them to go through it and satisfy themselves with scripture you know that these things are true and uh and we and the only way we give membership away is you have to uh, sign that membership that i actually agree you're given a place where if you don't agree you can explain why yeah and uh now, my feeling there is that most people just check the box. I agree with it all. Yeah, yeah, yes, they do it, that. It reminds me of my credential renewal every every year. You know, they ask you the same kind of questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you differ with any of our, you know, 16 fundamentals? And if so, please explain. And, and it's like, well, you know, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always think that's funny. Is anybody really going to answer that question differently? Yeah. But that's where we get into, uh, first of all, we don't have anybody teaching class or not a member. Yes. of the church. Okay. Secondly, uh, you know, you're going to have a background check to make sure you're not a whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then uh, thirdly, I'm going to interview them in the office and, mm-hmm. uh, and talk. And I've done that with numerous people years. It's really, really, uh, that's always usually fun. Okay. I've, I've never actually, I've never had anybody that I've ever had to interview that had some odd belief system. Most people, Pretty much, if we're pretty upfront on what we believe, you know, we realize that not everybody will agree with that. That's fine, but we're pretty upfront with it. So okay. Uh, now let, let let let's take a little turn here and say, what would be the repercussions of someone teaching Sunday school or head of a department, whatever, teaching uh, the people's things that are contrary? to the pro- uh, proper scripture, to sound doctrine, or what have you? Well, it, it would be, depending on what we're talking about, it could be devastating. Uh, let's just, um, let's just take, I mentioned hypergrades. Yes. All right. I mean, there are those right now. I mean. Uh, okay, what, define hypergrades. Okay, hypergrades is the belief system that, you know, Jesus has forgiven us in, on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is where I'm going to disagree, because I agree with this statement, that when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for all our sin, past, present, or future. Okay. Now, all of ours had to be future because we weren't born yet. That's correct. Okay. So when you get to this point where we're at right now, when a person receives Christ, making an application, all their sins in the past are forgiven. Mm-hmm. All the sins up to this point present are forgiven. Yes. And the sacrifice taking care of all your sins, that means all your future are forgiven. Yes. I don't really have a problem with that part. 
because I don't think Jesus has to go to the cross and die all over again every time no, I see no, him. No, no, no. So that's theoretically true, the future part. Okay. But how does that play out with the rest of Scripture that tells us that we need to pursue you know, uh, sanctification. We need to live a righteous and a godly life in Christ, yes. you know, and, uh, you know, the, the Titus, I think it's three twelve, where it says that the grace of God that's appeared to all men, appeared to all men teaches us, notice teaches us yes. to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live righteously and, uh, and soberly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope in the great appearing, or the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, hyper grace would then say, well, since all your sins are forgiven, it doesn't really matter what you do after you receive Christ. You're saved. Uh-huh. And uh, and we have we have people that, that teach these things, uh, and it's... Uh, it, the, the problem with that is that's not what the Bible teaches. The no. Bible says we pursue righteousness. Yes. You know, um, you know, the, 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 this, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of warnings. I, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Uh, first Thessalonians, I think it's first Thessalonians four before he ever gets to the rapture of the church. Mm -hmm. He talks about, this is the will of God, even your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. Yes. And then he gives a big definition. Anyone who defrauds his brother, God is the avenger of all who such, all who do these things. And so, you know, Paul doesn't seem to be indicating that once I receive Christ, I can just do whatever I want to do. Yeah, and and if you really want to tie that back to Calvin, perseverance of the saints, yeah. or um, well, once saved, always saved. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, and even Calvin, Calvin believed in living a holy life. Mm -hmm. I mean, Calvin uh, was a lot different than what we call Calvinists today. Yes. And there is also what you call Reformed Calvinists mm -hmm. and uh, a Reformed Baptist or whatever you want to call it. And... Um, and they, they're it, the re, I have enough Baptist friends that would just say, "Well, what do you do with someone that just does that?" You know, they just they they receive Christ, they come forward for the sinner's prayer, prayer and, and yeah. whatever, and maybe they are in the church, but now all of a sudden they leave their wife and they got a girlfriend and and all like that. The way they've explained it to me is that's just somebody that had a false conversion. So then we get into a somatic issue. Yeah. I, the the bottom line is is that. Uh, if I if I am truly saved, I shouldn't want to be doing all those other things anyway. No, and uh, but but hyper grace tells people and and you know go I'm ahead gonna, and do it. It's yeah, all covered. It doesn't matter what you do. You got a free license, a yeah. license to sin. Yeah, a license to sin. Oh man, that's a good title. <laughs> we talk about that sin. one day. License to sin. But anyway, uh, what we're, we're talking about? Okay, hyper grace. But then I look at 1 John 1, 9, and it says, if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins yes. and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who is he speaking that to? It he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to Christians. Yeah, so there is a confession of sin. Why should I confess sin if uh, if all my sins are, are forgiven? Uh, you know, Jude warned on this thing right here in verse 4. He said, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, uh, those who uh, were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. He said, ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and Paul dealt with it too. He says, well, you know, just be, he says, should I just go ahead and sin that grace may abound? Yeah, he said, certainly not. Just go ahead. No, he says, absolutely not. We need to be achieving. We need to be doing better. Yes. Well, if we say the Holy Spirit is living in us, let's 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 think about that way. Holy Spirit, is that His first name, Holy? No, that's descriptive of what that God is holy. Is holy. Yeah, yeah. So the Spirit of God is holy. So when we say the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, there's a recreation, a re. You know, uh, we get a new heart, a new spirit, as Ezekiel prophesied, and mm -hmm. in that sense that we are a brand new person. Um, yeah, that's the Spirit of God in us to, you know, teach us. Remember, we talked about being a teacher. Yeah. What's he going to teach us? He's going to teach us about what it means to live for Christ. Yes. 
And, so, and, and, and okay, we're, we're, we're going over this. And I, I love it. I mean, we could just roll with this particular piece of theology or this old concept of hyper, what do you call it again? I, I can just call it hyper grace. Hyper grace. And the word hyper is on there. And I believe in the grace of God, certainly. Yeah. Not the grace of God, none of us would be here. Yeah. But hyper grace is a... Uh, is an abuse. It's almost like an unsanctified grace, maybe a better way to put it. Yeah. So, I mean, we're dealing with that. There's other things that uh, that we um, uh, definitely have the woke gospel. We're going to be dealing with that in a future. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, but we, we talk about this, but this is why it is so important that teaching be done properly. The, and teaching is the... Uh, mode or method of bringing about sound doctrine and establishing truly grounded Christians yes that have a strong foundation that that that, that they can build on in their life and we and that's I say we call this foundations podcast we talk about foundations a lot the, the fact of the matter is is that if you don't have a good foundation, the first bad thing, and I, I always ask the people uh, a, a lot of the times, it says, if there is, I want you to name one thing that could happen to you bad in your life where it would cause you to turn your back on God. And then they start thinking, oh, well, you know, I said, well, if you can find one thing, you're not truly grounded. You, you're, there's a problem in your, there's a crack in the foundation. Because basically, you uh, nothing. I don't care what happens. You should want to follow God. What did Job? Who is, is it? Job said, "Though he slay me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yet will I trust him." Was it Job or yeah, who was it? The, yeah, I think it was Job. Though he slay me, yet I'll you know I'll trust him or I'll serve him. Uh, that was after his wife told him, you know, hey, curse God, God and die. die. And, and, you know, by the way, they had a family later, so don't be too yeah. hard on her. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, you know, people, you responded tragically. <laughs> Job's wife. You know, I, there's a, you know, there's a, Christians could, uh, well, well, ministers could learn something this. Uh, there's a documentary uh, done, and I cannot think if it's on Netflix or Amazon or wherever it's at. And what it is, it's over the Roosevelt's. Okay. And it starts with Teddy Roosevelt. It starts when he was four years old. It shows a picture of him watching Abraham Lincoln's funeral procession go by. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, anyway, and so it deals with their lives because both of them were president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And um, and one of the interesting things about uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is before he was ever president, I mean, this is before he was ever governor of New York. I think he'd been a councilman uh, mm -hmm. or something like that in New York or whatever, and I forget what else he had done. That uh, the night that uh, his daughter was born uh, is the same night that his mother died mm -hmm. and his wife died in childbirth. Oh. It literally devastated him. Um, what he did do is uh, he went to, I believe, uh, uh, North Dakota, for a while, bought a little ranch. You know, the Roosevelt's have money. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he bought him a little uh, ra ranch up there, did some ranching, and there's where he met a, a lot of people that ended up being a part of that, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and his Rough Riders. Okay. That Cuban thing. They, yeah. they, that's yeah. where he got them all from later, mm -hmm. before he was president. The point is that he spent probably about a couple of years out there being productive, that's what he did. He got mm -hmm. out there and he was doing ranching. He lost more money than he ever made. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but then he came back, mm -hmm. and then everything's history. He ends up being the governor of New York. He ends up being the vice president, I think, to McKinley. He assassinated. He uh, becomes the president of the United States. He's reelected as the president of the United States. Serves eight years. Yeah. And um, why I share that story is. Not only is it moving to watch, yeah, but it is tenacity. You tenacity. never give up. Yeah. If there's anything that would make you forsake Christ, mm -hmm. then your foundation, there's something wrong with it. Yes. You could learn something from people like that that said, you know, I might get knocked down. There may be some negative things that happened in my life, but I'm going to be like Job or I'm going to be like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> I am not ever going to curse God and die. Yeah. So... 
I mean, so it's really, and I mean, we, we talk about all this, but when it caught, talk about that teacher, that teacher takes that little baby Christian. Yes. And raises them up. Yeah. And you know, and that's one of the things that I've got a chance to do numerous times in my life, uh, is to take someone who's brand new to Christ mm -hmm. and sort of take them under my wing yeah. without saying it like that. In other words, what, what I would, what I do is I take them, I'll take them out to eat somewhere. We'll go do things. And, you know, I'm talking about a guy, not a woman sure. and, and do that. And what I do is without, I, I disciple them. Yeah. We talk about things of God. We talk about things in scripture. We, mm -hmm. we, we, we have a friendship. And, and so, and I've, I've got men that are in this church, in our church and in, in other churches that are still going on with God, mm -hmm. even after I'm long gone, because we wanted them to have a proper foundation. Yes. And so, yeah, that foundation is everything. Yeah, it is. So, okay. So we, we, we talked about the teacher with the, with the teacher and they're joined a lot of times to the pastor. The pastor is a teacher. You're a teacher. Um, um, I would think, and I would even kind of sway over when, when I remember being in college and my degree was in biblical studies and pastoral ministries. Now, of course, they didn't have anything for evangelists yeah. there. <laughs> That's something else. Okay. <laughs> if y'all are listening now, anyway, um, we, for, for evangelism. But the thing is, biblical study is very important. Some, some people were geared towards becoming teachers in universities. Yes. Um, uh, or biblical, I mean, talking about Christian teachers that are teaching Christian theology or hermeneutics or whatever you want to talk about. And so we were taught how to do that. And we were, we were properly taught uh, how to do those things. And when that transfers to, say, the local church or what have you, and the discipleship where ma mainly everything is going on when it comes to discipleship is the church. Um, it, when, whenever you see, well, I don't want to get, if I get into that, you see other people taking somebody aside so that they can teach them. To me, again, we get into that renegade thing that we've been talking about over several weeks here. We've been using that term renegade. You need to watch that. Yes. Yeah, the different friendships that are made in the church. And we've had, well, even in this church, we've had some negative things Okay. that have happened unbeknowing to me mm -hmm. until I find out about it. And then, of course, we have to deal with it. Yes. And that is that certain people decide, you know what, I want to start a ministry without the blessing of not only the pastor, but even the... I mean, we have a church board, a deacon board here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, there have been times where we have interviewed people as a board, yeah. you know, if they if they requested that, you know, and, and things. But, uh, but you know, and, and then what, uh, what you find out is they're teaching divisive things. Okay. Uh, we had one gentleman here that uh, my warning flags came up when he espoused what we call replacement theology, which is heretical okay uh, replacement theology is the ideal that because the jews rejected jesus that god replaced the jewish nation with the church that is not no that's that not is, biblical that not there's biblical no biblical i mean that's crazy that is that is not applying proper hermeneutics to what paul talked about in romans by any stretch of the imagination anyway but that's the the, the point is when i found that out that put the warning flags up Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I realized he was doing a uh, uh, some kind of home thing. Okay. Uh, and uh, and then people coming saying he's saying this, he's saying that. Well, we had to deal with that. Yeah. And the way that got resolved is they decided the Holy Spirit wanted them to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, that only was what happened. That's, that's <laughs> they go that's, off when when they're caught. Yeah. 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 And by the way, when we say deal with it, we're not talking about being ugly or anything like that. No. We're just sat down with people talking, mm -hmm. you know, had a lady well, that got into the Jewish stuff years ago and uh, this messianic Jewish movement. And it was a, a offshoot of it that they, 
I mean, even her husband believed, even though he was circumcised as a baby, he needed to go through a pricking service to be saved. And I'm like, you need to do what? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and so, you know, and supposedly the Greek uh, terminology that's meant for Christ, you know, had something to do with bell worship and, and, and this is some nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so she was in a teaching mode. I didn't realize how bad this affected them. Okay. By the way, they weren't Jewish. Uh, oh, boy. And, and then I finally had to take her aside. And by the way, she was a graduate of, not Evangel, but what was the other one called? Um, the one Bethel? by, no, the one by Evangel. Uh, there in Springfield. Uh, uh, I believe she went to that one. I'll figure it out. Anyway, yeah. um, I was going to say CB, CBC or uh, anyway, whatever. Uh, is it Springfield? Yeah, it's Assembly Guy College. Sure. Graduated with a bachelor's degree in theology and all that. And, uh, and of course, you know, I had to set her aside. I went with someone else with me. And I, I asked her very specific. I said, you graduated from an Assembly God Bible college. college. Yeah. You went to college. You learned all the theology, just like I did at mm -hmm. Southwestern. So you know what we believe. Yes. About Scripture. You're not. You've been in an Assembly God church all your life. You were raised the same way I was. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I brought up, why are you teaching the certain things she was teaching? You know that directly conflicts with what we teach in this church yeah. is divisive. And that is with children. And they're impressionable. They don't know. Yeah. I asked her a question. I said, why would you do that? Knowing all of that. She wouldn't give me an answer. I told her, you will not teach this class anymore. No. And that was it. I said, that's, that's, that's it. I, you know that you did it knowingly. Yeah that disqualifies you from teaching in the church. Oh, absolutely. Well, and what they did eventually is they left the church. And so, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll go here you go. But, but there, there you go. There, there's people You'll find somewhere else that'll uh, support your her heresy. Now, uh, of course, I, I get I get a little bit blunt about things. Yeah. But um well, the, that's the senior side of church that most people are very unaware of. Yeah. Yeah, well, our our job as a pastor is not pleasant. It, most of the time it's wonderful, but there are many times where there's a side You have to deal with it. But you see, here the thing is, you are responsible yeah. for the people and the flock here. Yeah. And you're the you're actually the, you're the one who is on the front line protecting them from the wolves. Right. Yeah, that's what the, well, you talked about a pastor. What is he? He's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. He's there to lead them, feed them. But also to protect them. But to protect them, <laughs> yeah. and some sometimes it, it's not all pleasant. But the, okay, so so we we see here, and let's let's talk about some uh, common. We just have a few minutes, but let's talk about some common types of concepts, or what do you want to call it? Some teachings that actually can be disruptive to a church or to the people that are that are not right. Now you had mentioned a few. We talked about hyper grace. Yes. Woke gospel. We'll get into that. I, I really feel that we need to do an entire uh at least one podcast on the woke gospel. Um but then uh a oneness theology. Yeah. Yeah. Now what is oneness? Oneness is that, you know it is a misnomer of um monotheism i mean that's the first thing okay. you know monotheism in the in the in the hebrew well in the jewish mind in, in of course when you look in the old testament was never meant as what people think of i mean they talked about like bell being a god this yeah. that whatever the ideal of monotheism is that god is a god of gods in the sense he is the only god the unique god um, and then we see concepts of the spirit of God. We see mm -hmm. theophanies of what we know as a pre-incarnate Christ appearing to people like Abraham and to Moses in the burning bush there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, so th they look at stuff like that. And then we come into the New Testament, we see the Trinitarian uh, view more fully 
uh, understood. Yes. And uh, even with what Jesus taught, what Paul taught, what Peter, John, mm -hmm. and everyone else. But but when you get people that look at that and say, well, you know, Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, yeah. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. I've sat down with oneness people in the past, and it's just like, I, it's, it's like there's no there. I mean, you know, like I said, these prior proper hermeneutics passages. You you you've, you've got to, and that's why it's so important when we're teaching that there be a straight theology. I I, I got a, a just a real quick um, um, story. We were my mom. I was with my mom. I was about fifteen years of age. And I was a newly Christian. I was Christian, fairly new, and uh, hadn't been Bible college, you know. And I've been to church, you know, incessantly throughout. And we were all excited about it. And so we were uh, up north, and we were driving, and we saw that there was a tent meeting going on. And I said, "Well, hey, a tent meeting? You know, you're all thinking about Billy Graham and all yeah. this, you know, and Oral Roberts." All and so he said, well, let's go, let's go uh, check it out. So we went on in there. We were going to check it out. And so everybody was so friendly. They're very nice. And they, uh, uh, you know, shake your hand and, oh, how you doing? And all that. So we slide in there. And, and uh, so they were started singing. And, there's, and all of a sudden they pulled out this song. They started singing, well, Jesus is the Father. I don't know how they the melody went. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Spirit and all this. And um, anyway, and then I'm over here going, I said, there's just something that doesn't feel right. Right. And so we kind of just kind of muddled through the, 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 it was at the end of the service. And then, boy, were they on you like white on rice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, they were right at, and then they came back and said, oh, you need to be, uh, were you ever baptized? Were you saved? Are you Christian? You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Were you baptized? Oh, absolutely, we were baptized. But were you baptized in the name of Jesus? Yeah. They're, 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 and they're, then so they start in this, you know, I'm 15 years of age, you know, and I'm over here and I'm, uh, I, I, you know, so I guess the best thing that we could just think about doing is, is that we uh, found a nice way to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went back to the pastor and I started talking, we went over to the pastor, I started talking, oh, he said, oh, Steve, that's oneness. And then he began to explain to me how that, you know, the Trinity and, you know, this is, this is, and that when we're baptized, we are baptized according to scripture in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and Jesus is the one that yeah. said that. Yeah, and Jesus, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and over here, so my poor little 15-year-old mind was, oh, finally, ah, I yeah. grasped that. But the Spirit of God was giving you a witness that something wasn't right about this. Yes. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit's a teacher. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 so you know you know and then you're over going oh Lord okay well you see that's the thing and and if you look at that particular experience like you said Holy Spirit given kind of whoa something's not right here I'll tell you another story about uh, we we went to a um, evangelistic meeting I guess back out in Anaheim California and we'd have been to this guy's uh, ministry a couple times before everything seemed to be fine. And um, I don't know if I should name. No, I'm not going to name this. Anyway, um, and then so we went there this one time. We walk in, you know, and all of a sudden I look in the back, and there there are pictures of the the evangelist face on the uh, on the on uh, the uh, fans. You know how the little wave yeah. uh, fans they could wave yourself with. Anyway, but we were in there, and something just didn't feel right. And we said, you know, again, we muddled through and then we left and just said, ah, oh, well, you kind of lose interest. What was, well, the next thing you hear, this guy is, a, uh, this guy had turned, he was in, he was a homosexual and the guy died of AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. Or HIV or whatever that was in during that, I think it was AIDS. But anyway, and you're, what, you know, but the Holy Spirit was giving witness that there is just something not right. Yeah, and I when I was in a Southwestern, I was going to a church in Dallas, and a large church, and you know, there was I mean, I was just a student, you know. Um, now I didn't work for the church, 
uh, in their uh, one of their their big buildings. I ran a concession stand <laughs> there yeah. during the week. You know what I mean? And we mm-hmm. had stuff we did, and I was also responsible for the health. They had like a health spa thing in yeah. there. Make sure all the you know the alkaline whatever water things were right and all like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it makes you wonder. You know, churches get into things that it makes it makes me pause just for a second here. <laughs> but uh, you know, my, my my subjective thing in the there was a big Christian school, this three four story building, mm-hmm. and I start popping that popcorn, you know, and all those teachers, everybody starts smelling it. Yeah, and they would. Anyway, I'd give teachers popcorn. I didn't sell it to them. Yeah, but but uh, but going to the church, the pastor that was there, he was a for for the better sake of the word, he was a. a, a, a there was nothing heretically wrong with anything he taught. Mm-mm. I mean, uh, he did a he did a whole series on the Ten Commandments, brought it out into a New Testament concept on everything. He, he was a fantastic teacher, yeah. preacher, yeah. pastor. And but there's just something I couldn't put my finger on it. Well, eventually I started going to a church closer to home. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, in in a, in a went to Evangel Assembly of God there in Wasahanchi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor Warren was there at that time, and uh, and come to find out that pastor was having homosexual relations with some on his staff. Oh my lord! And it all came out, and. Uh, which, you know, back then, you, you didn't have people affirming same-sex marriage. Mm. Then. You know, we're talking about this is the 80s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I'm not kind of heaping. He's dead now. Yeah. Uh, he went on to start another ministry. As far as I know, him and his wife got back together, and good for him. Okay. You know, so God's judge. I mean, he, he can figure all that part out. Yeah. The homosexuality, that's sin. We all know that's yes. sin. Okay. Um. But you know that you talk about what what teaching can be divisive. One of the things right now is there is a push for the affirmation of same sex marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Christian. Uh, let me rephrase that. There are teachers that in the church that are espousing uh, that as long as two men or two women together are monogamous, that it's okay, and they can be married. And they have re and what they do is they redefine scriptures like here in uh, uh, Leviticus nineteen and uh, am I on the right path? Oh, I need to be in eighteen. Sorry, uh, let me get to it. Eighteen right here, and uh, and he talks about in this. Uh, oh, where are we at? Oh, I'm. In 19 again. How to get to 19? My New American Standard Bible is just not right. Uh, after he goes and talks about incest, he makes himself, uh, right here, verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination or is toy And then he goes on and talks about animal stuff with, uh, you know, you can't have that either. Um, and uh, and so what what do we you know and what they'll do is they'll take this, and this is how they'll do this. Is by the way, this is not proper hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. They'll come in here and say, well, did you notice what he said? You shall not give in your offspring to offer them to Moloch, nor shall you profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Then he talks about the homosexual relations. Okay, and say this is in relation to temple worship, and not to monogamous marriage. No. That is not proper hermeneutics because that is not what Moses is getting no, into. No. Because if you want to apply that, then you can say all this incest is okay too as long as it's monogamous. Yeah. Or the animal, having sex with an animal is see, okay as see, long as it's I monogamous. What, what no, they, they nobody, build on... Nobody they, would interpret that like they, that. They take a doctrine that is false, first of yeah. all, the, by its basics, and then they try to take the Bible to try to justify, and they build on to this. Well, as long as it's monogamous, yeah, or, or, you know, or whatever, that, to try to justify what they want to be what well, um, but they yeah, want to be true, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And then th- that one verse that you were talking to with Timothy, that one, was it Timothy that talked about uh, heaping themselves 
teachers with itching ears. Yeah, or, Second Timothy four. Yeah. Okay, so that that is just basically is that, and like you mentioned several times, where people after you confronted them about something, well, what was their remedy? They went to find another church yeah, that's yeah. going to give them itching ears. That's going to find another uh, somebody that's going to affirm. Yeah, whatever they want. Whatever they want. Yeah, and, and in fact, um, you know, just uh, I don't. I realize we have to shut this down, but if you yeah. want to find anything entertaining, just go and and look up on a Google search "River of Life Church, Georgetown, Texas." Mm -hmm. When you pull that up, you'll probably see on the right side of where we're, you know, where you see that, yeah. there'll be like River of Life Church yeah. in Georgetown. There'll be re reviews and stuff. Yeah. You might find that really enlightening and humorous. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, the thing is, is we stand for sound doctrine. Yes. We stand, if it's in the Bible, the for the word of God, we don't add to the Bible. We don't uh, uh, try to make it say what we want to do. Uh, but just because we want to do something doesn't mean that the Bible's agreeing with it. And uh, so that's that's why it's so important. When we're talking about teachers here, let me kind of summarize what we've talked about. We've talked about where teachers, a lot of times you see a teacher joined to a prophet in the Bible or a teacher joined to a pastor. The reason is, is that you got to bring that uh, whenever you're presenting the gospel or whatever God is bringing, there has to be that sound doctrine along with it. And that's why, uh, you know, the, I, I believe that's why scripture says they're joined together. Like we were talking about, uh, in scripture, we, we, when it comes to pastors, when you have people teaching your flock, you are responsible before God for whether those flock are well taken care of, if they if they run off on some tangent and they die and go to hell, I, I it's you know it, I wouldn't want to stand before God answering for them because you were not minding the flock, and that and part of that minding the flock is make sure that your teachers are just like pastor was talking about. You have a good background check on these people. You don't want a pedophile teaching your children. Um, when, and then they, they, you sit down and talk with them. They are, there's a direction and a guidance to what is being taught to those people because uh, if, uh, if they start teaching them some wacky theology or some wacky concepts or something they just heard off of uh, YouTube of some crazy prophetess on there, you got to watch that and, uh, and you got to be careful of that. And, um, and, and minding, the, minding the flock and what the, what's being taught. Teaching is very important. And then all these different doctrines that, that can kind of creep in. You got to watch it, you know, just because it's a new concept. Uh, I'm going to tell you one thing. Pastor, do you believe that there's any new concepts, uh, new revelation today that hasn't been thought about or at least brought about through the Bible in the uh, before? No, not really. I mean, truth is truth. I mean, maybe you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that that it's new because you saw it. It's it's there. It's always been there. In fact, that's why we need to study history. What we will find out is what we think we've come up with a new truth. Mm -hmm. It's just something that we just never understood before, and that somebody in the past was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there is no new revelation. Let's just put it that way. The okay. The revelation we have in the Word that is the final revelation we have. Yeah. Genesis through Revelation. And uh, anything, I don't care if it's a prophet speaking, uh, it does, it, none of that is equal to the Bible. No. In fact, we judge all things by it. And that's even in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, let what, uh, two or three prophets or one or two prophets, what, I forget the number there, mm -hmm. uh, speak and then let others judge. Yes. What are they judging with? They're judging according to Scripture. Yes. Yeah, and that's a that's a big, big concept. Uh, very few people that often, well, I say very few people. I have not seen too many people that say they're a prophet that they like anybody to look circumspectly at what they prophesied. Yeah, that's that's my experience. <laughs> okay.
All right. It, so it, it, whatever's being spouted out there, whatever's being brought forth needs to be weighed. I think my old theology teacher used to say that the Bible is a ruler. We have to measure everything yes. with the word of God. And uh, it needs to be. And so when we're talking about teaching, teaching is so important, so important that because it lays the foundation of your Christian belief system and of those people that are hearing it. And uh, so, uh, okay, so as we're wrapping up the fivefold ministry, we've talked about all these different uh, offices, these gifts. A lot of things have been brought out, and I think a lot of good things have uh, been brought out. Uh, one thing I do want to mention uh, as we're closing here today, um, feedontherock.org is our uh, website. You need to listen to these podcasts. And folks, tell somebody about the podcast. We are uh, we're, we're doing well. We have uh, over 100 and some downloads a month we're expounding or you know expanding into different areas of the country even even across seas um and uh god god is using this and so but we need to get the uh, get it out and help us out by telling a friend or telling somebody to tune in and uh download this thing and listen to it and with the reason it's uh, we're not videotaping it is so that you can turn it do the dishes turn it on and listen to it for the hour uh, but th this is good, solid teaching, and uh, we're going to be bringing out some more concepts, some more um, straight-to-the-point things as we come forward in our, uh, in our next podcast. So uh, God bless you all, and, uh, and we will, uh, we're going to go ahead and wind up today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is Steve Madden, Pastor Paul here, and uh, thanks for tuning to the uh, Foundations podcast. And uh, tune in next week because there, we're going to be uh, continuing with uh, some uh, eye-opening topics as we uh, proceed. So God bless you all and uh, go with Jesus and have a great week. Bye-bye.